Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Happy New Year, lacrosse fans. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, episode 60. About to fly your way. As it's Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer back with you once again for another big episode. Two great guests lined up on the podcast today. We got ourselves Bradley Cree from the Toronto Rock and Kevin Crowley from the Philadelphia Wings. Both teams winning this past weekend in an action-packed, jam-packed week five in the National Lacrosse League. Evan. The last time we talked, it was a day before Christmas. Now it's a day before New Year's. Uh, Merry Christmas. How how was Santa? Did he treat you well? Santa got me a pair of Beats, so like, I was oh, pretty happy about that. Wireless, black, white. What do you got over there? Uh, black, yep. And did you go with like the big, and... the big DJ ones, like the big puffy ones, or did you go with the the, the earbuds? What do you what do you got? The, no, no, the, no. The uh, the puffy ones was actually a fairly small. Head. It just barely covers the outside of your ear, and mm. it folds into this nice case. It's actually very small. Yeah, no, I got a, I got, a, I got a couple pairs of Beats uh, that I, I mean, I've had them forever, and I don't know why I went and bought a second pair, but they, they still, they're, they're fantastic. But now I got the, I got the earpods, uh, and and I, I can't go back to anything else now. Having that wireless earpod, it's, it's a game changer, man, especially. Especially in the gym, um, I got myself a new Fitbit watch that I'm uh, quite excited about. Uh, I mentioned I got a bunch of stuff under the tree early. Uh, we don't need to rehash all that sort of stuff out. Uh, what about Nears? What do you what do you, well, what do you got going on? Just just be careful you don't have an ESPN incident, okay? I I don't know I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, we'll leave that for another day. Okay, uh, you're gonna have to film me. Exactly you're gonna have to. What I'm talking no, about. I I honestly I honestly do not know what you're talking about. But if you want to tell me off the air at a later time, if that's safer for you to do. Uh, I'm all ears, but if you want to let it out here, I don't, is it going to like bury me if you tell me what you're talking about right now? Okay. Wait, no, it's a situation where a female ESPN analyst bought her boyfriend a Fitbit for a Christmas present oh. and then managed to track <laughs> where the Fitbit was having a little too much activity at the uh, wrong time of okay. day. The heart rate was a little too high when she wasn't around. Is that uh, okay? Kind okay. of, yeah. Yeah, I'm not uh, – I hey. I got nothing. I got nothing to hide, man. I got nothing to hide. Uh, you can put GPS on me all you want. Uh, what about New Year's, man? You got you got big plans uh, for later on this evening. You're gonna hit the town, bang some pots and pans around, go light up Saskatoon. What's happening? I think it's gonna be pretty simple. I and mean, I think Tracy and I are gonna go for dinner, and you know maybe some friends will come over. I know they've got the karaoke machine all wired up, ready to go. Oh, so okay, yeah. I think that's what it is, but it's not going to be anything too drastic. How Rhin- about you? Rhinestone Cowboy on the playlist, I hope. Actually, well, it's got twenty to what two hundred thousand songs or something like that on this thing, so it's got to be on there. <laughs> <laughs> I should hope so. 
The classic. Uh, hey, listen, man. It was a massive week five in the National Cross League. We got to get into it right now in Stampy Tax, who we had. And by now, you should know, but just in case you don't, they are more than just a boot store. They carry a wide range of outerwear and jean jackets, including the all-time classic Storm Rider. Gear for the outdoors and gear for fashion. They ship Canada-wide, located in Cloverdale since 1967. Shop online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still... Shopping local. I got to tell you, Evan, I've been uh, I've been sitting back, just uh, waiting, biding my time for podcast recording time here, because I I am sitting up on about as high of a horse as you can get right now. Because I did better than you in week five. Well, okay, but. You, you know, you were what five and three. I I was. Four four. I was lucky it not to be six nothing. and two. I was. There is, you, there's, well, okay, but you know what? We neither of us were eight and zero. Oh. Like no, uh, our know, winner like our was winner though. Was this week. Our winner yeah. went eight and zero. Oh. We'll mention that momentarily uh, once we get through all these games. But yeah, impressive stuff to go eight and zero. Oh. But I was a goal away from going six and two. I end up five and three as San Diego beat Vancouver in overtime. Brody Merrill, the overtime winner there. We'll get to that. But uh, as it stands, but the other shocking thing when when you look at what some of these games were, just the percentages of how few people actually picked the right winner yeah. in some of them. No. That's what even makes the eight and zero even more. Impressive. No, it's absolutely mind mind boggling to, to to think that somebody would go eight and zero, especially with some of the upsets that happen. Let's talk about some of these upsets. So we're going to uh, get into under review in the fourth quarter. By the way, so so hang with us there. We got eight games to talk about, so we'll leave under review to the fourth quarter. Let's start. Uh, where do we start, Evan? We got to start in New England as the Riptide played two games this weekend, but uh, it didn't go so well for the new expansion team. Riptide against the Black Wolves in this one was uh, never really close, Evan. 21 11 as the Black Wolves keep it rolling. And we came close to having uh, a race for the all time points in one game with Callum Crawford having 14 and he didn't score in the last, he didn't get a point in the last 10 minutes of the game. So there was a possibility there. Great crowd in new England. This is, there are a few arenas this week where the crowd started to turn in a positive direction, new England. The only seats that weren't sold were the ones that were obstructed few. So great there. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, when you looked at the post game interview with Callum Crawford there, he said, they weren't actually happy with the performance, and I get where they're coming from in that they allowed 11 goals, and they should not have allowed that many, and they kind of let up at certain points in the game and let New York back into it. New York was up 2 nothing in the first couple of minutes, only for New England to score. I think it was the next, what, 11 or something like that, and then the game was pretty much over. But they should have done a little bit better in a consistent performance. They've noticed that. And here's a consistent thing you're going to hear from me this week is if there's, there's this debate out there, whether face-offs matter, mm. let's put it this way. Seven of the eight winners this week had the face-off win, to, win total. The only one that didn't was Jeremy Thompson lost the face-off battle. He's the only one, but 
right, what's going on in New England here? You know, we were wondering who the heck was going to be taking their face-offs, right? And Nardella is just going he's off the charts. Like 27 or 36 in this game. Yeah, I mean, he's put himself into the conversation with Baptiste and Withers after three games for the Black Wolves. He's been that impressive. You hear that, Ty Marrow? Seven out of the eight winners this weekend won their face-off battle. So uh, I think the debate can finally be put to rest. They matter. They matter, Evan. Uh, let's move along here because we got a busy week to go through. And game number two, Calgary at San Diego in a game that I took the Roughnecks, you took the Seals, 16-11 riggers over San Diego. Yeah, a disappointing performance from San Diego, and Frank Shiliano did not have his best game there. Uh, but the fact that they never pulled him was even maybe a little more surprising. You know, you know never gave Nick DeVoot a chance uh, to get in there, especially when they had to play a second game that weekend. Uh, what can you say here? It was a, a late second quarter, early third quarter run by Calgary, I believe it was six in a row, that ultimately sealed the fate for San Diego and you know it, it was a it's another one of these disappointing performances at home for a team that's struggling to draw on a crowd at home yeah got to get your home wins if you're a new franchise and, and San Diego unable to do that I think they left Frankie in there because they know they're gonna go as far as Frankie takes them and I know that's a lot of pressure to put on one guy but that's kind of the, the goaltending position in a nutshell, you're going to go as far as your goalie takes you in the sport of lacrosse, really. And Frank was unbelievable in Vancouver a couple of days later. We'll get on to that. But for Calgary, if there's a guy in the league that may have the book on Shiliano, it's Jesse King. Like he, And we're going to talk about King as well. But, man, like he just seems to know exactly where to shoot and when to shoot on Frank Shiliano as he had a big night. Yeah, and it's unfortunate what happened later on in the in in the second game, but uh, you know, hopefully we see Jesse back. I'm hoping in the summer. I don't well, know no, I think we're going to we'll talk about Jesse, but I think we're going to see him back long before that. Uh, let's move along. So after two games, I was two and zero, Evan. I was two and zero. You were just one and one after uh, two games of play. Toronto went into Rochester to take on the Nighthawks and. Again, here for Rochester, I think we've seen steadily steady improvement each game that they've played. This may be their best, but they still come up a few goals short as Toronto picks up a road win. We'll talk to Brad Cree about it. 14-11, Rock over the Nighthawks. And a game where Rochester did itself a favor by staying out of the penalty box. They weren't in the penalty box, in fact, I think until the last few seconds of the game. or Actually, so they took one penalty no, actually, no, the last few seconds of the game. So they were shorthanded for a whole 11 seconds in this game. Uh, but you know, Toronto went on a six-goal roll you know, in the late second, early third quarter. Once again, is what decided it. I don't know if Toronto can be overly happy with its performance. Um, you know, but you know, Craig Wendy came in strong in relief. Now, this is one of those stats, again, I hate, is that Craig Wendy gets tagged with the loss because yeah. he allowed the 12th goal, although 
Rochester was never even close to holding the lead the entire time he was in the cage. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, what what is your what is your solution for that? Is it the goaltender that allows more goals? The goaltender that spends more time in the net? Like, what do you, how do you how do you solve that dilemma? Take a baseball approach to it, and that is is that if the, hang on the a second here, Evan. I I never listen. Yeah, you. <laughs> I don't ever want to take a baseball approach to anything when it comes to the sport of lacrosse, but I will let you finish your thought here. Okay. In baseball, the pitcher that is responsible for losing the lead or is the one that ultimately gets tagged with the loss. So if the team never recovers, they get tagged with the loss. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it could work. It could work. I don't know. I I get I get what you're saying, but I mean that's kind of the life of a backup goaltender as well. You got to take your lumps, and and if you come in and you steal the show, then then you get the glory as well. So after three games, Evan, I was three and zero. Oh, you were two and one. We move along to maybe the most surprising game of the weekend, except for for maybe our our buddy Edward Jenner who took his Colorado Mammoth to beat the Georgia Swarm, and that's exactly what happened down there in Gwinnett County. 13-11 Mammoth and me like this I was ultraly impressed by the Mammoth in this victory over the Swarm. So was I. I mean, first off, if you, anybody holds the Georgia Swarm to 11 games, they got a or 11 goals, they got a fighting chance. This is a Mammoth offense that struggled and struggled and struggled. They scored 8 goals on average pretty much the entire way through. So to get 13 with their defense, it's normally going to get you the results. And when you look at where the offense came from, we had, you know, eight points. And I'm trying to remember who else, but Rue uh, had, had a big game. Rue had seven or five goals. So, and actually, the strange thing is in that Tyree question, Rue's starting to get a few answers from people. Mm. It's not more; it's more than one. So, and you again, know, doing this without Eli McLaughlin as well. Yeah, their best offensive player. So impressive stuff there for the Mammoth. And, and you're right. I think I went on record saying that Georgia was going to score at least 10 in every game that they played this year. Well, that's still alive. But I don't know if anybody expected Colorado to put up 13 on the Swarm. And Georgia went up in this game a couple of times by two goals, maybe three or four times even, but they could just never get that three-goal lead. They got it to two a bunch of times, and then Colorado would answer back, and they'd answer back, and they answered. They just never went away. And that that was a real impressive win for the Mammoth, no question about it. After coming off an overtime victory over Calgary, they go and they beat the Georgia Swarm. And that just tells me, as it does for New England, those two teams are for real and here to play in 2019-2020, as is the next team we're going to talk about here, Evan. As we both had Georgia in that game, so we both take the L in that one. We both took the L in the next game as well as the Thunderbirds go into Banditland and hang a 15-10 loss on the Bandits here as Halifax keeps it rolling. And let's go to the face-off stat again. Jake Withers, 22 of 28. Whew. Ian McKay, 4 of 13. Nick Weiss, 2 of 14. Okay? Like, that is, especially when you're going on a run like Halifax did. They went on two massive runs. And the thing is, is that every time they went on this massive run, Buffalo couldn't get the ball back because Withers was winning the draw. Yeah. And how critical is that? It's momentum. Sustaining, momentum is you know, huge. 
but you know, a guy, you know, a guy like Mike Burke gets eight points. That's not expected either. So, you know, the offense is coming. It's not coming from you, the guys you expect from, you know, Jammer or Benny. It's coming from other guys that maybe we didn't expect are going to have happen. But Matt Vince, this is the one thing about Matt Vince is that he will have three or four amazing games and then one stinker. Yeah. And this was an outright stinker for him. You know, 12 goals on 30 shots. Uh, I'm not, I'm not worried. <laughs> and remember, like, I remember when, when Vince got to Buffalo last year and, and had a couple of losses, people were like, oh, Vince is done. He's washed up. We got damaged goods here. Like, just slow, <laughs> slow down a bit on, on Vino, the greatest goaltender to ever play the sport of box lacrosse. Matt Vince is going to be just fine. He's still got plenty of stops left in that body. And, and just I hate had to be his next opponent. <laughs> yeah, had a bad night. Uh, I don't know who his next opponent is because it's a, a little ways down the line here. But um, he's going to be fine. The Bandits are going to be fine. They're still kind of working through their their injury issues up front um, and a long time off before getting back to work there and, and just kind of watching the bandits a little bit. Uh, by the way, Evan, congratulations to our compadre, one Jonathan Gertler, who I know uh, listens to the program quite a bit, uh, surpassing the 300-game plateau in the National Cross League. And we've talked to Gertzi about this. Between him and, and Ripper, Craig Rubinsky, these two guys are, are kind of going back neck and neck here with with calling the most games in the National Lacrosse League in their history. Yeah, and think about three hundred games. You only get about ten home games a year, right? Well, now, he goes on the road, though. He goes on. He the goes road, on the right? road, which helps. The so number, does Rip. Yeah. So that's but, the, I mean, uh, still that's <laughs> that's a lot of years of service, and and he and Randy Mearns and our buddy Steve Bermel has chipped in there as well. Uh, a lot of games for John Gertler there in Banditland, and uh, one of my one of my favorite guys to listen to. And and it, I mean, he's it's when you hear John's voice, you know it's John Gertler. You know what I'm saying there? The, the webbing and the rebound and the save. I I can't get enough of John Gertler. So congratulations on 300 mm-hmm. games in the National Crossing. But where I was going with that is watching Josh Byrne play, and we know Burner's had some injuries over the last couple of years. To me. He was moving around so well. He finally looks like he's 100%. And when Josh Byrne is going at 100%, look out National Lacrosse League. Yeah, no questioning, man. Uh, you know, when you looked at even the PLL this summer, when he was finally available to play, and he and Connor Fields, yeah. some of the plays they were pulling off were just insane. Yeah. Like, especially the double, the, the behind-the-back pass, to a guy that's not open to a behind-the-back shot, right? Yeah, it might have been the goal of the year in the PLL. Goal of the year. Reba, save! All right, that's it for Gertler. Uh, Let's move along here. We both had the bandits in that one, Evan, so things going from bad to worse is uh, we both took another L there, so after that, I was 4-2. and Saskatchewan and the Riptide. So the Riptide playing their home opener here, Evan. Back-to-back nights, they go home, but they got to take on the Saskatchewan Rush, who are some kind of pissed off after losing to New England in their home opener, stewing for a week. They get to the Big Apple. They're waiting there for the Riptide, and they put a weapon on them. I, I, I think of this maybe the scoreline isn't as bad as it really seems because they went almost an entire second half without scoring. 
but the Riptide could just never get the offense going. And Evan Kirk was out of his mind. Like for me, Evan, once in a while, like Matt Vince, he'll have an off game. But what makes Evan Kirk so good to me is when he does have a bad game, when he comes back for the next one, he's usually really, really, really good. And that's what he was in New York. 11-4, the final in this one. Yeah, 9-10 save percentage for Kirk. And, uh, you know, absolutely phenomenal performance. But the rush literally took the riptide out of this game fast. And, you know, it was... It's tough for those first-time fans to, you know, watch this, and it's six nothing almost immediately, and it, like it was just, it was ugly. And maybe a little fortunate for the Riptide that the rush went away from what worked for them in that first half, which they were just pushing and pushing and pushing, and you know, slowed up and tried to make things happen through the middle, and nothing was happening. Um, so I think there's a little bit of a concern there for the rush. The other concern has got to be uh, maybe it's lucky that it happened in this game to Jeremy Thompson getting back to too many penalties and stupid ones at that, a delay at game one of holding the stick while he's running off the floor to the bench, uh, a dead ball foul that took away a power play. These things got to stop. Yeah. Got to get cleaned up there. No question about it for JT. And I, and I think the message will get home for him. Um, other, other notables in this game, Holden Garland getting his first goal. I want to talk about first goals and rookies a little later on, but Justin Robinson did not look out of place. Jordy Jones Smith gets back into that lineup. Uh, how about the one handed blind behind the back sub pass to Robert Church for his fourth goal of the game into the empty net, mind you, but Mark Matthews, with one of the greatest passes I've seen so far this year, his his face is literally pressed up against the glass. He's got two guys on him, and with his right hand, no look, just kind of flips it backwards blindly right into the stick of Church, who finds the open net. That thing was beautiful. But he had, he had to have known where Church was. That's well, sure. the crazy thing. Is, like, it's not like this is a blind path and it all just happened to fall into the stick. No, he knew where he was. Well, that's what makes it even more him. impressive, though. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we both had the rush in that one. Six games down, two to go here, Evan, on Stampede Tax, who we had. Philadelphia at Calgary. Now, if you'll recall a week ago here on episode 59 of Lacrosse Classified, you tried to sway me here. I gave you the option that I would let you pick first, and I would pick the other team. You took me up on that offer, Evan, and you took the Calgary Roughnecks, which turned out to be, well, the wrong pick. As the Philadelphia Wings pull off a dramatic victory that sounded like this. Now under nine, Crowley with it. Now they'll start to organize themselves for the play. It's Ramble with it. Ramble takes the shot and scores! Matt Rambo with 1.8 seconds to go. It's heartbreak for the Roughnecks and elation for the Wings. That would be one Grant Farhall on the call there on BR Live, courtesy of the NLL. And just to kind of tee that up a little bit more, Evan, Philly gets the ball, they get possession, they call timeout. What was there? About 13 seconds left. They kind of hold the ball to the outside. They start the play. 
Kevin Crowley gets double teamed and, and finds an open Matt Rambo. This happens with 1.2 left on the clock. Rambo sticks at five hole for the 8-7 victory for the Philly Wings. Now, for those that are expecting us to talk about the whole travel schedule and everything for the for the Calgary Roughnecks, stay tuned to the fourth quarter. We'll get to that in the under-review segment. But, uh, you know, one of those games where, once again, face-offs matter. You know, Matt Rambo wins 14-19, gets the ball back to his team. Uh, Baptiste, Baptiste. And then the thing was, remember when we talked about this game, I said, this is what makes this game so difficult to pick is the fact that you've got a Calgary team that is on this crazy travel schedule, might have a delay game penalty coming up to start the game. They did, and Philly scored on that delay game, and in the end, that made a difference. Yeah, one goal, victory. They score on that delay game, and mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, again, we'll talk about it in under-review in the fourth quarter, but but for me, Evan, one thing is just going to get in quick here. Yeah, go for crazy it. Crazy stat. Right now, uh, Christian Del Bianco has lost twice. He's allowed eight goals in both losses. Yeah, that's that's kind of unheard of, really. And and I mean, yeah, what more can you do if you're Del Bianco, right? Like you gotta you gotta hope your offense is going to show up for you. And Colorado, maybe to be expected with that defense. I don't know if they expected to. Uh, to be limited to seven against the Philadelphia Wings, but you got to give that Wings unit some some credit here as well, Evan, and in particular Zach Higgins, who was just remarkable all night long in between the pipes for Philly. Now we saw this brilliance in him in Buffalo um, before Matt Vince was able to get back into his ways there, but uh, you know Zach Higgins. He's been one of these guys that he's been on the brink, and now he's had his chance, and he he shined in this game. But, of course, the other story here, and this is hard to say it, but once Jesse King went down in this game, Calgary's offense flatlined. Yeah, I I mean, and and they're already without Doby, right? And then to see King go down and kind of hanging on to his arm as he left the floor and – the the prognosis for for Kinger not great. I think it's an injury that he can return from. I don't know exactly how long he'll be out, but I think he gets back before the season is over. And we saw what happened with the Roughnecks when Jesse King was inserted into that lineup just before playoff time last year, and they'll be getting a double shot because Dane Toby will be stepping back into that lineup probably right around the same time as well. But to get back to Zach Higgins, like. I was with Higgy back, I want to say 2012, back when he was with the Swarm, and he and, and, and Carlson were kind of taking turns, and it just didn't work out, and then he got a little sniff in Calgary, and that didn't pan out either. On he went to Buffalo. He's bounced around a lot, but I think in that time for Zach Higgins, he has really matured both mentally and physically as a goaltender. And we've mentioned it a bunch of times on this program, Evan. It just takes some goaltenders, it just takes them longer to figure it out. But man, it sure looks like Zach Higgins has figured it out at the National Lacrosse League level now. Oh, no question. And now, I, you know, when next time you look at Philadelphia, they play again this weekend. I think Philadelphia is a heavy favorite going to the next one. Yeah, we'll talk about it in Stampede Tax. Who you got coming up? Uh, just to remind you, though, Evan, I had Philadelphia in that game. You had Calgary. So I won and you 
lost. One Thank more, you, Brody Merrill. One, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> let's get to that. Our final game here. It could have been devastating for you, Evan. It really could have been. As the Warriors and San Diego Seals go to overtime, this was a fantastic lacrosse game at Rogers Arena. Good crowd on hand there for Sunday Fun Day as well. Uh, Lloyd getting his first goal. Eric Penny got the start for Vancouver. We mentioned Shiliano, a real bounce-back game for the Seals. Connor Fields goes off for four goals here. Graydon Bradley gets his first goal in front of friends and family there at the Raj. This was a heck of a game. Brody Merrill in OT, 11-10, the final. And Connor Fields, think back to when we had Andy Towers on this program, and he talked about Connor Fields being the greatest field player there is in the game. He doesn't have that much box experience, and we're kind of waiting to see where he is at it. He definitely wasn't afraid to fire 15 shots. Yeah, he's starting to figure it out. But he, he, you know, he found four, four of them found the back of the net. Anytime you can get that, you'll take it. Let's put it this way. For San Diego, this was a must win. After the loss on Friday night, this was a must win. They they went 0-4 to start the year. The season's probably done. Yeah. So this gets them back in it. But for Vancouver, it almost was a must win, too. They, you know, to get two out of three at home before you start getting back on the road, you know, that's a tough one there. But the one thing I think we got to start to talk about is – uh, with Jones and you know, where do you put him amongst the top forwards in the league? I wouldn't put him at the very top, but I think top ten. My respect for his game is just going up and up every time I see him. Play. Top ten, top ten for Jonesy. Like I, I mean, and the thing is, like let's not forget Evan when he broke into the National Lacrosse League, originally drafted by the Stealth, was still playing hockey at at Northern Michigan, if I'm not mistaken, and Stealth traded him away to Buffalo, and when Mitch Jones started his NLL career, he was playing out of the back gate in transition. And now he is right near the top of the scoring in the National Cross League, and he's electric, man. He, he he came so close to winning that game in overtime, missed the shot, however, and Merrill picks it up, goes the other way, and, and pots it home. Uh, what can you say about the legend Brody Merrill? That was a massive goal for them. And, and a game that San Diego gets it done with not much from Zach Greer or Wes Berg in that game. So that's a good sign for San Diego. Not the fact that they didn't get much from those guys, but the fact that they got a win without getting much from those guys is, is a huge positive for them. And you're right. I, that's a, I mean, I think Vancouver can take a lot of things away. Unfortunately, moral victories don't get you anywhere in the NLL. But a lot of positives coming out of that game for Vancouver. And I, and I think some things they can kind of hang their hat on as well. But, you know, a chance to win back-to-back home games, a chance to win two in a row for the first time since becoming the Warriors, and just a goal away, just a goal, an overtime loss away from that happening. That's a tough loss. I think they get over it, though, and, and they move along and uh, and look forward here. And, and they're going to get Joel McCready back pretty soon as well, from what I understand. And he'll be a nice injection onto that right side as well uh, when he makes his return to the lineup. So at the end of eight big games in week number five, I go five and three, Evan. You go four and four. We were tied after week four. Now the standings look like this. I... I'm at 13 and 7. You are at 12 and 8. That means I'm one game ahead. 
which means you get to host who you got once again this week. I will take it. You were very lucky not to be down two games here, Evan. Be thankful you're only down one. Well, before you forget, you better announce the win from last I week. I will do. I was just about to do that after I rubbed it in a little further there. Hutton Jackson is our winner. We mentioned Hutton went 8-0. and The only man or woman to do so this weekend. I couldn't be more impressed. You look at those picks that he made. He had Colorado over Georgia. He had Philadelphia over Calgary. He had Halifax over Buffalo. So some real tough picks there, but Hutton Jackson is our big winner. Congratulations winning week fives. Who you got? All right. uh, Yeah. What do you got? And the stats, when you look at those there, like I think only just over 10% of people took Philly. Um, you know, and I, not only about fifteen percent or something took Colorado. So to have the odds of getting all eight right were pretty slim this week. Very slim. Tough to go eight and zero in in a week like that. Uh, impressive stuff. Congratulations, Hutton. Keep playing. Don't forget, sign up every single week for who you got. You can win the grand prize for the entire season, or you can win multiple weekly prizes. If you do well every week, and that's just going to increase your chances to win the grand prize as well. So make sure you're signing up. Take 60 seconds every single week. Light week six in the National Cross League, just two games. But nonetheless, get your picks in, and Evan will have all the tiebreaker scenarios for you. Thank goodness for that, Evan, because I would be lost without you when it comes to the tiebreaker formulas. I just I would not be able to figure it out. Yeah, had, had Vancouver won that, it was crazy that we needed to go all the way into the third tie break to to get rid of this to break apart the seven and ones. In fact, we would have had our first female winner oh. at Vancouver scored, and she would have won by not only the third tie break, the fourth tie break. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! Man, she must be steam. By the way, <laughs> I shouldn't mention this because she's probably still upset about it. But Danny lost her fantasy football. She was in the Super Bowl of fantasy football. Yesterday, a chance to pull in a grand and uh, started the wrong quarterback yesterday and, and, and came up short. She was quite upset about it. Uh, tried to console her all day long. I didn't do a very good job of it. Uh, Week 17 leagues are such a crap shoot to yeah. win. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's that's about it, right? So, uh, Evan, let's get to break here. Quarter one is done. Quarter two is next. And we got the big cat on the other side. PVL athlete from the Philadelphia Wings, Kevin Crowley will join us next. Keep it right here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also informed choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Robert Holt of the Colorado Mammoth and the Tuba Lakers. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Star Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified, episode number 60 here just before the turn of the calendar. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you. You just heard from our good friends at Pure Vital Labs and uh, the man we're about to talk to also sponsored by that fine company. Check them out at pvl.com. They got the MCT oil, Plant Pro, BCAA, Glutamine, 
recovery, all informed choice certified, nothing artificial in there. It's all good stuff and tons of pro lacrosse players on PVL supplements, including this man right here who we're about to talk to coming off a thrilling 8-7 victory over the Calgary Roughnecks over the weekend as Rambo scoring with just over a second to go. Former number one overall pick in the National Lacrosse League as well, Kevin Crowley onto the program. Welcome to Lax Class, Big Cat. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure, man. Good to run you down. Uh, let's let's flash back uh, a couple of days to to Cowtown, man. That was a big victory for you guys. Uh, you, you run into a tough tough test right off the get go, and then you got to go up against the defending champions in your second game of the season on the road. But a real good performance. Maybe the best performance I've seen the Wings play since their return to the league. Uh, summarize it in your eyes, Kevin. What did you think of that game? Yeah, I appreciate that. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are writing us off this year. Uh, you know, as much as you try not to look at the media and uh, who they think is going to win, uh, you know, you always come across it. And I think this was a, uh, a big game for our confidence as uh, a franchise and, you know, something that we're hoping to build off of going forward. Just just so you know, before Evan gets in here, I picked you guys to win last week, Kevin. I picked you no, guys. No, you didn't. You, you, no, no, you no, 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 no. All right, Evan, your turn. All right. A bit of an unusual start to this game. Your opponent's having some travel issues. You get a delay in the game. How does that affect your preparation going into the game when you all of a sudden find out you're going to be another half hour late? And I guess, was there any weaknesses you noticed in Calgary because of the travel that you were able to exploit? Yeah, there was certainly a lot of sitting around before the game. You know, you try to get there two hours early and get everything, uh, you know, go through your routine and be uh, prepared for that eight o'clock start. But obviously, being delayed, it's uh, a little different. But, you know, being in the league, nine seasons now these things happen you come to you know not expect them but you know it's one of those things you just have to deal with some adversity uh and you know we were lucky to come on top that game and you know i think a lot of their they're such an athletic defense that you know i i didn't really feel like they were they were showing signs that they were slowing down especially right off the hop uh before we get into some other do you got like what what is your worst nightmare travel day that you've ever had in the national cross league i know you've had some doozies oh, man, and, and you're a big question. fella with the uh, you know the long legs on the short planes and all the rest of it give me give me your worst ever oh um there's some airlines that are worse obviously the uh coming back to the east coast from the west coast is tougher so most recently uh just yesterday was pretty tough coming from calgary back to philadelphia uh, we had a layover in toronto and, you know, again, running into those, uh, the leg room issues and, you know, after coming playing a full game and getting on that flight and getting crammed in there, it's, uh, it's pretty tough, but, you know, like, like we said earlier, it's, uh, it's part of playing in the NLL and, you know, everyone's got to deal with it. Now let's talk about Zach Higgins for a second. Um, 48 of 55, a heck of a performance, new guy on the roster. How do you see him adapting so far within the, the, the framework of the team? Yeah, he's been great for us. And one thing that really stands out to me is how, you know, professional he treats uh, his preparation, you know, with uh, sometimes I guess goalies can probably skip out on the uh, 
the physical training portion of, uh, of being a professional lacrosse player. And that's not Higgy. Um, you know, he's on the, he's doing the band work. He's getting, uh, getting on the foam roller before the games and, you know, treating it like a true professional would. And I think, uh, you know, the way he played this past game is just a testament to that. Speaking with Kevin Crowley of the Philadelphia Wings and, and Kevin, it, how long did it take you to kind of get back into things after after the holdout and, and you know getting traded from New England before returning to Philadelphia where where you once were drafted? I know that was important for you to get back home, but how how long did it take you to kind of round back into form after sitting out that long? Yeah, that's always tough to not. I guess you know I was going to say I didn't to not even have a training camp, but I guess no one really had a training camp. Uh, you know, there was a, a lot of excitement getting back that first game. It was uh, the U.S. Lacrosse night, I believe, in Philly, too. So I had a lot of friends from out of town uh, coming to watch the game and to kind of get my debut. And that one was uh, was obviously a really cool experience and to be back in a Wings uniform. Uh, you know, it's really something that you know, I won't take for granted again. Yeah, I mean, and, and to speak to that, like, a lot of new faces there, and you're still kind of getting to know some guys on that Wings team. And, and in particular, I would say Brett Hickey, who missed the entire year last year. You guys never even got a chance to play together. You got Kyle Matisse back up front, uh, Courier there as well. How has the chemistry been going between the four of you guys on, on that left side for all the right-handers? Yeah, the actually, I played with Hickey in Toronto in 2015 when I was up there for a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> when about when that we one. made that run. Yeah. So that was Hickey's best season uh, offensively. He was, I think he scored 51 goals that year. Yeah. Uh, and he was just, he was just lights out. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, we bring some of that chemistry back from, uh, from 2015. And I really like having a big body out there who can set some picks and, and has soft hands like him. He seems like he's always open. If he's throwing the ball, he's going to catch it. And then obviously, Big Moose, uh, our captain, having him up there, another big body uh, that can set picks and has real soft hands. So it's a pleasure playing with these guys. It, uh, sometimes it feels like it makes it easy for us. And then you got Josh Courier flying around, you know, doing all the little things that are uh, so important to you know, having a successful offense, picking up offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, I don't. He might be one of the best crease divers uh, in the league as well. So I think we got a pretty well-rounded offense. Take us through the last possession. You get, you know, tie game. You got last shot. What was said on the bench? What was the game plan going into that last possession? We were just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's been a funny like go, coming after that Georgia game, only scoring uh, scoring six goals. It was, uh, you know, I think our confidence took a bit of a hit, but. You know, it, it just seemed like going into that last play that, you know, when you looked around, the guys were, uh, you know, believing in each other. And it was, uh, you know, whoever had that shot, we believe that anyone could put the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, had a great shot and looks like it went five hole on them and eight, seven, big win. Yeah, I mean, and, and talk about that, Kevin, because Rambo, I mean, he didn't have a great night. Like, he, he kind of struggled that night, but at the end of the day, you kind of got shut off and had to make that play. But that just kind of speaks to what you just talked about, that you got full confidence in everybody that's on that floor on that offensive unit, that when given the opportunity, they're going to make the play and, and the right play, and Rambo was able to cash. Yeah, and, you know, look at what the guy's done in the sport of lacrosse. He's been oh, yeah. clutch his whole life, no matter what league. 
Uh, so, you know, he, I think he scored on his first shot of the game and then uh, and didn't score against the last one. But, you know, he's the type of guy who's going to keep shooting that ball with the confidence that it's going to go in. Fortunately, it was in that uh, circumstance. You know, at this stage in your career, you do have a little bit of say, at least in where you're going to play out your career. You got the chance to go back home to Philly. Why was it so important to go back home to Philly? Well, Philly for me has been, ever since I got drafted here, I fell in love with the city. Uh, the first year I played here for, I lived here for six months, and I went home to Vancouver, and I lived in Florida actually for three months. Uh, and then it was full-time in Philly ever since then. And it's really, you know, as a professional lacrosse player goes, um, in the realm of professional sports, I really don't believe that there's a, a fan base that wraps their arms around the lacrosse players like they do in Philly. Um, and that's one thing I definitely noticed and definitely loved. Uh, my only other experience was with the Hamilton Nationals playing professionally uh, outdoor my, uh, right out of college. So, you know, to be in a city, to live in a city and do appearances and get to know the media, um, you know, it, it, it was a really cool experience and, uh, you know, something I've took advantage of, I guess, maybe not the right words, but something that I've uh, really uh, been fortunate to be a part of. Yeah, and Kevin, as we speak with Kevin Crowley here, I, I know um, that that you do some coaching back there as well, and I and I follow along on the social media. I see the odd Snapchat come uh, come your way. What what exactly? You got the kind of a, a, a quirky little view from. I don't know if that's your house or your work. Like, what do you do outside the game besides coaching? Because I, I see you up kind of in like a lofted area. I don't know if that's your house or your place of employment or what you're doing there. Yeah, I got a pretty cool place. It is a loft apartment in uh, right in Center City. It's actually on Broad Street, uh, and it overlooks the skyline so i do uh i do a lot of work from home for our company which is fusion lacrosse uh an old professional player steve holmes and myself started it up i think it's going on seven years now um so we started up fusion and uh and have grown to be in philadelphia we coach uh well we don't coach so much but we have a another branch that runs out of richmond virginia and then we train box across teams so taking you know what steve and and i both learned from playing professionally uh and teaching the youth, youth programs around the area and most recently we're getting the girls into box across yeah. here, which is kind of a a new thing and something really cool yeah i want i want to ask you about that because uh i don't know when was it about a year and a half ago i want to say where we kind of ran into each other my girlfriend's daughter is a a box lacrosse player and you work with Savannah. I can't remember her last name, but obviously uh, you guys got something going there and, and you were teaching the indigenous and, and female box lacrosse players. And I just heard about this, that you guys kind of under the radar a little bit, ran a camp or something out there in Surrey and, and raised a bunch of money for the children's hospital. You want to tell me about that? Yeah. So uh, our girls director is named Savannah Smith. She played at LaSalle university. Uh, in Philadelphia, funny enough, um, and she's been great. So we had a varsity a high school team uh, this past year that went uh, really well, and we're looking to build on that uh, in terms of travel teams going forward into next year. But uh, Savannah came up with the idea of running a holiday clinic uh, and you know just kind of donate our time and have the coaching staff that have helped us with camps in the summer and, and with our travel teams donate their time to come out and you know, train 
youth players and it was a buy donation camp. So, you know, parents were free to leave a dollar or hundred dollars, whatever they wanted. And we were lucky enough to raise $1,200 for the BC children's hospital. That's so that fantastic. Was really cool. Yeah, fantastic stuff, man. And, and just before I let you go here, I mentioned PVL off the top, Kevin, and you've been, uh, you've been on board with, with Pure Vital Labs for a while, as have we. And I always like to ask guys that I talk to that are, that are under that umbrella, what do, you, what do you like to take the most? Uh, what do you find the most beneficial? What are you kind of packing around with you on a daily basis that keeps you game ready? The uh, the game aid for sure. It's uh, I actually fill up three water bottles before every game, pull a game aid, and just making sure I'm staying hydrated uh, throughout the game. And fortunately, I've never had any cramping issues, and I really believe that uh, you know the game aids to uh, to thank for that. So they've been great with me. Uh, they've helped me out a lot. Obviously, keeping my body right and with the rigors of uh, this professional sport. And, you know, I I owe them a lot. Especially when you gotta you gotta bend those long long sticks up in the the airplane and press those knees up against the seat. You don't want to be cramping up on the airplane. Yeah, maybe my next contract I'll put leg room seats into uh, into it. There you go. When you hit the ten year mark, you can start claiming first class. Uh, last one here for you. I lied, Kevin Crowley. Last one here for you. Uh, you being a new Westminster boy, and and a lot of our listeners from the local area here in the Lower Mainland. Uh, Sam and Bellies now have made some changes heading into the next season. A, a new leadership group there for the red, white, and blue. Um, I know it's down the road here a little bit, but any plans for the summer to make a return? And what do you think of, of this new group that's going to take over from Dan Richardson? Yeah, I really like Ray Porcelato. I had him uh, as a coach and junior back in the day, so we have a relationship from back then. Uh, actually, when I was home for Christmas, uh, we had a meeting at Canada Games School, actually sitting on the bikes. We talked for like 30 minutes, uh, you know, and just shooting ideas back and forth. And I can tell he's very excited and he has some great ideas for the franchise. And it's, uh, you know, it's nice to hear that we got a guy coming in who's, uh, who's really excited about the future of this team and wants to compete for a man. So, uh, obviously Dan Richardson was, uh, was great for me and was great for the team and um yeah it's looking forward to the next chapter uh i really think we'll be able to turn the corner all right man you heard it right here it looks like uh the big cat might be back in new west come summertime we'll just have to wait and see kevin uh, i hope you had a, a fantastic christmas i know uh we're on the verge of, of turning the calendar over here. Have a fantastic new year's and best of luck with the philadelphia wings moving forward here into 2020 Thank you. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thanks for uh, thanks for spending some time. That was Kevin Crowley, former number one pick in the WLA, in the NLL, and the MLL, if I'm not mistaken, Evan. This guy, that's all he does. He goes number one. Yeah, and of course, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk on the, his outdoor game, too, which uh, he's had quite the, the, uh, the career now. In the last game, he had a seven-point night. A seven-point night is a pretty good most nights. When the team only scores eight, it's an amazing height. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> no, he's been getting it done for almost a decade now, and I don't see the big cat slowing down any time soon. We got to get to break, though, and coming up on the other side, I think it's another first time around the show, Evan. I don't think we've ever had this guy on the program from the Toronto We Rock- remember this one, yes. yes. <laughs> we got to remember this one. Okay, well, uh, it's, it's Pat Gregoire's favorite player. It's Bradley Cree. Coming up from the Toronto Rock on the other side. You got it right here on Lax Class on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network.
Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hi, this is Gandalf. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars. Welcome back to episode number 60 here of Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars podcast network. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you. Just heard from our good friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. What they do there, they create first impressions. You can find them online at associated-labels.com. Keep up to date with their daily blog or their social media at Associated LP, as in labels and packaging. Best in the business when it comes to labels and packages. And they do it all with the environment in mind. Now, joining the program for the very first time, if I'm not mistaken here, a virgin on Lax Class, I might say. It's Brad Cree from the Toronto Rock. Bradley, welcome to Lax Class. Thanks for doing this. Spit and Chicklets of lacrosse. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, yeah. G-rated spit and chicklets, I suppose. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I've been tempted to just, just let loose and fly off the handle. I don't know if the sponsors would like that. I don't know if the NLL would kind of like that. So we, we try and keep it clean here. But if, uh, you know, I, I think Suits was on here the other day and he, he dropped a, he dropped a four-letter word. So if it happens, it happens. We're not going to worry about it too much. But uh, we like to keep it clean for the kids here, Bradley. Uh, welcome to the show. And uh, congratulations. Merry Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, how was your holiday? Did you did you get some good stuff under the tree? It was great, actually. It was different. It was uh, the first time in my uh, life, I guess, where I didn't have it at my home home. Yeah, where is your home home, by the way? It is in Acton, Ontario. Okay, and now, now I'm assuming that's 45 minutes away from Toronto. I'm just not sure which direction. Yeah, it's about uh, northwest, I guess. Okay. Okay. Well, enough yeah, so enough geography. Uh, <laughs> well, congratulations. Well, you don't on, want to hear about Acton? Well, I know you get to, to, what what is Acton <laughs> famous for? Tell me that. The old hide house. It's a leather town store. It's beautiful. Okay. I'll uh, I'll be sure to check that out next time I pass through. Well, since we're talking about Acton, talk to us about minor lacrosse there. How big is it? You know, how big's the following in that town? Well, it's actually Halton Hills, so it's Acton and Georgetown. The Halton Hills Bulldogs. Okay. I've heard of those guys. I've heard of those guys. Yeah. Most of it's done in Georgetown. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, how did you think uh, you, you played uh, yourself and your team in that, that victory over the Rochester Nighthawks this past weekend? Um, you know, a nice nice win, but I think some room for improvement if I'm looking at it from an objective position. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't pretty for sure. Um, at the end of the day, we got the job done. But, uh, you know, I guess that's what game three is in the, in the regular season. So, you know, we're, we're preaching for consistency. So we're trying to find our, ourselves in our game, um, you know, uh, to get ready for, for the ultimate goal at the end of the season and playoffs. So uh, a win's a win earlier on. And, uh, again, like the coaches were saying, it's a divisional game so that was that was big i wanted to talk to you about your ever-evolving role in this team 
You were the face-off specialist a couple of years ago. Last year, you got relieved of that duty most of the time with Jane Thornburton lineup, and your transition game really evolves when you don't have to uh, waste all that energy with the with face-offs. And now you come back, and now you're the number one face-off guy again. How does taking all those face-offs impact the other aspects of your game? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's definitely tough, um, especially for me, because I uh... – <laughs> I'm not uh, pretty with the face-offs. Like, I don't, uh, you know, you know, make it effortless like Withers and those guys. Like, I can't do the pick-and-pop. So, you know, for me to, for me to win a face-off, it's, it's a full muck. <laughs> you know, so it's, I, don't, I don't think I've won many easy face-offs and got away scot-free. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely takes a lot, of, a lot of energy out of it, out of me. But, um, you know, I definitely takes a little more pride in it. At first, it was kind of a joke, you know. Oh, I got to take another face off. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the job's got to get done. And uh, uh, it is a little rewarding when hey, you're man. successful. 16 for 26, 13 loose balls in there. You you pick up three apples as well uh, in the point total. I like, guess the all-time face-off leader, if you remember. Yeah, like that. that's a solid <laughs> night, man. Don't sell yourself short here, Brett. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I mean, it's. I said from day one, it's not, it's definitely not on me. A lot is on the ball team. If I can get it in an area where, you know, we've got uh, one or two guys in there, we've got a great ball team. So, uh, those guys spoken like time. a big team guy right there. Five cause turnovers in that game as well for Bradley Cree. Yeah, let, let's talk about your career as a whole here, Brad. I mean, you start out with the, the stealth organization and, and just kind of muddle along a little bit, but it wasn't really until you got to Toronto where you kind of found your stride. What do you what do you think the difference was between your time in Vancouver to arriving in Toronto? Was it maybe just the coaching staff instilling confidence in you and believing in you, and then that led you to believe in yourself a little bit more? Uh, yeah, you could definitely say coaching. Like, I, I had Maddie and Junior with Orangeville. Sure. So um, we know each other very well. So uh, he definitely knows my game a little more. I can say he's definitely helped me out you know, probably the most out of anyone in, in, in my lacrosse career. But uh, going back to when I came back in Toronto, I just remember there being so many, so many awesome veterans, like, you know, guys like Patty Merrill, Sandy Chapman, you know, all those guys kind of. Jeff Gilbert. Um, shown, Jeff, yeah, like you can, you can literally go down the list of guys that, uh, you know, I played under and it was just, you know, learning from those guys every day, seeing how they practice. Um, all, all those things I could definitely say, you know, just makes you want to work harder. And, you know, when, you know, see older guys like that kind of, you know, staying after practice and, you know, running and, and shooting the ball. And it's, you know, it gives you no other choice to say, well, Hey, I guess I got to kind of, you know, stay there too. And kind of gives you a, you know, a kick in the butt to, to, uh, to get better as well. Your team's big pickup in the off season with Dan Dawson. Talk about another veteran leader to learn from. What is it that Dan Dawson brings, maybe not only to the dressing room, but to the Tuesday night practices that changes the dynamic of the team? Oh, I could go on for a while with Dan. Uh, I met Dan first, and when we, he was in uh, Vic with me in the summer, and uh, you know, just his presence in the dressing room, like you said, there he doesn't even have to step on the floor to, to make an impact on the team. Um, you know, again, with, with an older veteran, you know, talk about a guy who, you know, you don't really, you know, he's done his reps, he's done his time, maybe he can take a break. You know, I think 
you know, there's no other guy that's in the track more than Dan, right? So, you know, it's crazy of how much the younger guys feed off that and, and see, well, you know, Dan's in there. Why can't, why can't we too? So, um, thinking about when I was younger and maybe I just didn't quite understand, you know, what it takes to play in the league. I think having a guy like him around just kind of, you know, gives you that second check to, you know, realize where we're at and how hard we have to work to be in the league and, and stay in the league and be successful. What, uh, what's your jump shot? Like he's got a pretty decent, uh, ball game now. You ever, you ever go one-on-one up, up against, uh, the dangerous one on the basketball court? Oh man, he's, uh, he, he's a load. <laughs> we, uh, we had a couple one-on-one games and, uh, you know, fortunate for, for me, we kind of created an alliance. Oh, smart and, play. Uh, smart play. Yeah, we had the East versus West and two two v two, and uh, we won majority of those. Just you know, we just had them in size. So yeah, speaking uh, uh, speaking of winning and losing and and East versus West and all that sort of stuff, uh, I know I know your boy Nikki Rose, big time Northman alumni organizer, and if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, the annual hockey tournament for the Hornheads over the the holiday season there Bradley uh t- walk me through this now you on team black team silver team glenny what 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 was happening back there and and i i heard a game was under protest somebody lost a tooth what was going on there oh, with the man. with the northern alumni i should ask nick he just walked in the door but i uh, i had to work yesterday so i don't know anything that happened oh man yeah check it out i heard uh mikey sutton got a tooth chipped and the game was still played but it was under protest uh, that's that's unfortunate and, and honestly i get i get super jealous every time I, I see the golf tourney and the hockey tourney and all the stuff that the alumni for the northmen do like for people that don't know the northmen alumni is is the best in lacrosse like i don't care if it's pro it junior scene like it is awesome the way that it organization is. is run it is yeah I'm really upset I missed it, but I can tell you, I, I, I'm not surprised. Like I, two or three years ago, the, the games get heated. I remember, uh, I was, I, I got stitches in my lip from, uh, Patty Merrill and I were battling for a puck and, uh, the puck came up and hit me a but, uh, I came out with a couple, a couple of zips there. And I know, uh, the older guys take some serious pride in those games against the, the younger kids oh, yeah. for sure. Oh yeah. No, we have to ask you about this because, you know, we chat with Pat Gregoire a ton. And for those that don't know, Pat Gregoire's man crush is Huge. you. Huge and he does crush. not stop talking about you nonstop. <laughs> Tell us the backstory here between the relationship between you two. I don't I don't think there is a backstory. <laughs> It's just it's just Pat's in love with you, Brad. That's that's about it. There's no real backstory to it. I think he's just a huge fan of Bradley Cree's game, and and it's just blossomed into this kind of uh, love affair. I don't know. Really? Well, this is kind of news to me. I mean, oh. I'm not on the social media too much. Yeah, but, well, uh, maybe expect like a Valentine in the mail uh, come February. Who knows uh, what will happen there? Uh, we'll we'll keep tabs on it as we move along as we speak with Bradley Cree here. Uh, next couple games coming up for you guys. You get you get Rochester again, but on your home floor, and and then you'll take on the Bandits and renew that rivalry once again. I know you don't want to look too far ahead here, Brad, but these divisional matchups uh, are super important now with this three division alignment. Yeah, I, it's 
it's kind of new to all of us. You know, I never really thought about it much until Maddie and, and Brucey and the coaching staff was, were talking about it. And then you kind of look at it and you're like, wow, like these, you know, we have two back-to-back games against uh, Rochester right now in our division. So it was kind of, uh, it was kind of like a, an eye opener. Like before we started talking about it, like, yeah, like these games are, I mean, every game's big in this league, but you know, these next couple of weeks are, are definitely huge. I think we're done, Brad. I, I got nothing left for you. I appreciate uh, you coming on here. Evan's asking me if I should ask you about Challenge. What do you, what do you got here, Evan? Get Just speak up. Well, I mean, Challenge is one of these interesting guys who continues to amaze you every time, he, especially when he gets a transi- transition chance. Tell us just what we don't maybe see about Challenge that just blows your mind. Challenge, yeah. I mean, he's just... Uh... He's just a special talent. I think he's just finally getting that opportunity. You know, he's bigger, he's faster and stronger. So that's what everyone's noticing about him. Uh, and that just goes back to, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's at the track every day working out, right? So, you know, he's putting a great opportunity where, you know, he, he uh, has opportunities to succeed in, uh, in the weight room and, and whenever he's taking shots. So I think that's, that's the reason why he's, he's leveled his game up is um, he's bigger, he's faster, stronger. And then the coaching staff have given him that opportunity on offense as well. Yeah. Maybe, but, maybe yeah. the most well-rounded player in the game right now, like the kid just gets it done wherever he is on the floor. And if he's not on the floor, maybe he's in the, in the locker room dancing to, to single ladies uh, for the <laughs> camera there. I don't, has he done that lately? Like that. Yeah. No, <laughs> he, he, he's pretty, uh, yeah, he's been pretty tame lately, but uh, okay. yeah, he's uh, he, he's pretty humble too about it all too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. He's not uh, <laughs> he won't tell you any of that stuff. No, so no. it's good to have him around. That's for sure. Absolutely. Hey, Brad. Uh, hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, be safe out there on New Year's. Best of luck against the Nighthawks and the rest of the season with the Toronto Rock and. Uh, hopefully our paths cross sooner or later, and if not, we're going to have to do this again right here on Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. That was Brad Cree, um, Pat Gregoire's favorite player right there, Evan, and, and Brad had no idea. And one of the guys, if I recall, when we had the year-end vote last year was fairly high up in the most improved in player category yeah especially with the fact that you know he had that chance to focus on defense and focus on transition it's one of these role players that every team needs and it might not show up on the the stat sheet as much as it does all the time yeah i'm still still a little blown away that vancouver just just let him go for for nothing and toronto was quick to snatch up Bradley Cree, and rightly so. We got to get to break here, Evan. Fourth quarter is coming up next. Under review, who you got? News and notes. It's all coming up next here on episode number 60 of Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. 
Hey, this is Brad Challenger, voice of the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Time now for Who You Got. All right, fans, welcome back to episode number 60 here of Lax Class. Jake Elliott, Ev, and Shaminar with you. Fourth quarter time here on the program. No more breaks, as you just heard from our friends at the Vancouver Warriors right there. Coming off a Sunday fun day, which looked like a lot of fun there. They had the carnival going down after uh, after the game as well. They had the thunder sticks, the face painting, all that sort of stuff going on, all in in conjunction with the the cheap beer, the cheap food, the cheap popcorn, all that sort of stuff, and the tickets raised a bunch of money for uh, the Goss family and Emily Goss, which was fantastic over Sunday. Big stretch coming up here for Vancouver now. They'll, they're going to play on the 4th and then a couple of weeks off and then on the 17th. But what makes it big here, Evan, is they're going to play back-to-back against the Colorado Mammoth. And this could really kind of – dictate how their season is going to go if they go 2-0 and fantastic 1-1 and I think they'd be okay with but if they go 0-2 they're going to be in some trouble here so two big games coming up against the Colorado Mammoth the home game is on the 17th it's beach party night I think Mr. Biz Nasty's coming back into town for that one uh, if I recall he, he told everybody that they're going to be late Evan they're getting laid at the beach party. Everybody gets laid, yeah. So it's a Hawaiian beach party thing. Like, there you go. Uh, but a critical stretch. You're absolutely right. Because in the West, three teams are probably going to the playoffs. Fourth is an extreme long shot that you're getting in. So yeah. if you're going to – you need to win these division games even, even more critical than you normally do because, you know – you got to get up in the standings in a five-team division where you're, you've got to get the third. Yeah, divisional games are are just critical now with this three-divisional format. Uh, promo code BIZ20, swipe up, or call 604-899-4625, hit option one, talk to my man, the Chad, or visit VancouverWarriors.com. Get hooked up today. Don't wait. Next home game is January the 17th. It's Hawaiian Beach Party Night, Biz Nasty, and the Vancouver Warriors taking on the Colorado Mammoth. I plan uh, to not be there, Evan, because I will be in Saskatchewan uh, as Colorado going to play in Vancouver on the 17th. Then they're going to play in Saskatchewan on the 18th. So that's a tough weekend there for the Mammoth. Uh, but And for those that are commentators new to the league, mm. just rewind the last five seconds of what you said. Because Saskatchewan is that Saskatchewan? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I hey man, it's uh, I I gotta give guys a break. Like it's not an easy, and it you don't pronounce it the way it looks, and it it's tough for for people that may not be Canadian or live in the market or anywhere near or never been to say Saskatchewan properly. So uh, hopefully the the broadcast crew there is is listening and uh, they'll get better. They'll get better. I'm I'm convinced of it. I didn't mind the the call there from New York with my my buddy, Mr. Luxurious Mitch Belisle. And let's do this, Evan. Let's get in to Under Review. It's time for Under Review, presented by G. Wilson Construction. Each week, Jake and Evan answer a listener's question or break down an unusual call that happened in a game. The challenge flag has been thrown, so now it's time to take the matter under review. 
There, you just heard it right there from uh, PA announcer for the Vancouver Warriors, Don Andrews. G. Wilson Construction, under review, an award-winning firm with a single focus, building fine custom homes. They are working on an absolute doozy up in Whistler right now. You should see this thing, Evan. It is Man, it is impressive. I can just well, I'll, I can't see it because remember they don't. No, I know, I know. You gotta have it's uh, it's classified information, but I can tell you it is uh, something to behold. G. Wilson Construction under review. Evan, we're taking the delay a game penalty assessed to the Calgary Roughnecks over the weekend for arriving late or starting the game late from the Saddle Dome. Now, if you'll recall back on episode 48, we had the assistant GM and head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks, Kurt Miloski, on the program, and he said this about maybe arriving late back to Calgary. It is what it is. Everybody's got their challenges. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily like our schedule, but um, there's a lot of teams that probably don't. And, you know, the NLL is trying to grow the game and do the best they can. It's with trying to accommodate for everybody else and try to get the, the fan bases going and try to continue to have great fan bases. So put my league hat on. It, it is what it is, and we'll battle through it. Um, but, uh, you know, no sense no sense belly aching about it. But, well, it's not easy. There's the one game where we got to play in San Diego, and the first flight out of there was 6 a.m., so we're not going to get the guys up at 3.30 to try to make it. We're going to take an 11 o'clock and – tip for any fans we we might just be getting there for an 8 30 start so grab the beer at the dome and enjoy yourself until we get there because the league didn't want to change it so we're going to take the one that gets us there when we think we need to get there so you just heard there kurt knew the circumstances here and obviously not something he wanted to have happen but it sounds like he was okay if it did happen and ultimately it did and i had to add to that the philadelphia wings scoring on that delay game penalty, and they go on to win the game by one goal. So you wonder, would he make the same decision again? But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the actual delay a game penalty. Break it down, Evan Sheminow. So first off, there was another option for a flight for Calgary. Um, now, this, the one unfortunate thing is that San Diego Airport is closed down from about 11 p.m. to about 6 a.m. So there's not even a flight out of San Diego after the game that they could have taken. So there was an option to go at 6 a.m., which would have got them back to Calgary around 3 p.m. Now, Saskatchewan had to take this exact same flight a year ago. And they had to leave. Now, there's no direct flight between San Diego and Saskatoon. They went to Phoenix. They got back to Saskatoon about... 5 p.m., and you and I recall talking to those guys after that game against Philadelphia. Like zombies. They were just... Zombies. They, 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 they so, didn't know where they were at Because anymore. here's what happens, Evan. You, you finish the game, whatever it may be, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Yeah. Well, this was even later because there was an 8 p.m. start. Sure. So, so then, time. you know, you, you, you unwind, you get your gear off, you shower, you get out of there, you get your suit back on, you get out of there, get on the bus, you get back to the hotel. So you're looking at another hour, hour and a half after that. Then you got to eat. You're still cranked right up from playing a lacrosse game in front of thousands of people. And I know just from calling games how wired I get. Like, I can't sleep after a game. I can't imagine what it's like for a player. And then you're going to be up at 3.30 in the morning to get to the airport for 4 o'clock for a 6 a.m. flight. And that's the decision 
that Kurt Malowski said, you know what, we're not doing it. We asked the league to change the start time. They didn't want to do it. So we're going to get back when we think we need to be back by. And if we don't get back by then, well, then we'll take a delay game penalty. And just to clarify a few things, so some fans were spreading some incorrect information on this. So it's a direct flight that leaves San Diego at 1130. They can get a full night's sleep. Direct flight, you don't have to worry about missing a connection somewhere. And it actually did land in Calgary Airport two minutes ahead of schedule. So the guys in are at 5.51 p.m., okay? But still, you've got to go through customs. You've got to collect your luggage. You've got to get everybody on the bus, drive to the Saddle Dome. So by the time the Roughnecks got to the Saddle Dome, it's already 7.30. It's 30 minutes before game time. And therefore, they had to delay the game to give the players even a chance to warm up. And from what I've been told... They were warming up while Philadelphia is in the dressing room. Yeah, and normally um, teams will get to the arena two two hours and fifteen minutes before a game. That's how long the the kind of the preparation is from arriving at the arena to face off. Guys like at least two hours to go through that process. Now, to give you the exacts, and in fact, I was in touch with Brian Lemon on this to get the exacts. If you want to look at the NL rule book, and if you want to find it. Go to the NLL website, and under the tab that says About, the rule book is in the uh, the menu there. Two rules to look up. One is Rule 13.1. The other one is 95.7. And they both pretty much say the exact same thing here. And the back half of 13.1, I'll read it out to you. It says, Clubs failing to start a game on time for televised games as per the agreed broadcast timing sheet, are subject to a fine by the league. A delay of game minor penalty will be assessed when a team fails to enter the floor before the start of the first and third quarters. Teams that fail to enter the floor upon their pregame introduction will also be subject to a fine by the league. This isn't the first time that this rule has been enforced. It was enforced a couple of years ago against Rochester, now under much different circumstances, in that Rochester was trying to fly down to Georgia, a winter storm hits the northeast U.S., their flights get canceled and get canceled a second time, and now they're trying to find a charter plane or they're trying to find whatever means, planes, trains, and automobiles to get people down to Georgia. The game was delayed about an hour 15 by the time Rochester had enough players to actually feel the team down in Georgia. And as much as this was really beyond the control of Rochester, they got assessed the same delay of game penalty because that's what the rule book states will happen. In this case, the Roughnecks did opt to take the later flight. Now, is that expected? Is that scheduling appropriate? I'll leave that for you to decide. But this is in the rule book, and those roughneck fans that are conspiracy theorists, this wasn't applied to the roughnecks because it's the roughnecks. This has happened before, and the same travel schedule has also happened before to the rush. Yeah, and and I get I get where the league is coming from on this, Evan, because you know when we get to a point where we got national TV deals and. Uh, things got to start on time. You can't be just kind of picking and choosing when you arrive to a game and when you start a game. And I get where Calgary's coming from. It's a, it's a brutal schedule for 
them to try and play a game in San Diego and then turn around and get back to Calgary and and start on time there as well without, you know, just taxing the bejesus out of your team going on no sleep and really not giving yourself a chance to win the game. So I kind of get it from both sides, but there's so many more things to kind of take into consideration. And, and probably the number one is, is the fans, right? They're coming to the arena expecting the game to start on, on a certain time and they have lives and things to do. And when you're asking 17,000 people to sit around and wait, that's, that's not a good thing. You got employees at the saddle dome, you got parking attendants, all the rest of it. So a lot of things go into consideration when scheduling games and scheduling the start time of games. And this is this is the end result of it. Calgary knew what they were doing, and they did it, and they got a penalty for it, and they're probably going to get a fine for it, and then they still lose the game, which, you know, I think if they go on to win that game, Evan, they'll feel just fine about paying that fine and, and taking that penalty. But the fact that they lost the game, lost it by one goal, uh, has got to really sting. Well, I think that they're not even close to winning that game if they took the 6 a.m. Yeah, you're play. probably right. We, we we saw what happened to the rush. Like, they were just so out of it. Yeah, the rush and actually the, got the it done. they were trying to get was on the plane. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I always think that to myself, too. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to stay up or whatever, but don't worry, I'll sleep on the plane. You never sleep on the plane. Like, you may think you do, but you really don't. It's not – you're not getting a good night's sleep by any means. So I think in the grand scheme of things here, like I don't – everybody wants the, the, the ideal perfect schedule and nobody wants to have all these crazy travel times and all the rest of it. But it's the world that we're living in right now and you just got to deal with it the best way you know how. And I think that's what everybody involved here did. I think Calgary did what they thought was best for them. The league did what's best for them and – that was the end result of it, right? A delay game penalty and probably you know. a fine coming their way. And it's and it's not, like you said, not the first time it's happened. Probably won't be the last time it happened. And I think it's it's also a bit of a work in progress here to try and make it all work for everybody. Exactly. And if we go back to the very start of this whole segment, Coach Malowski said, it's like, is it ideal? No. Are they going to bellyache about it? No. It is what it is, and they're trying to grow a league. There you go. And uh, that's exactly what they did. And, and a heck of a game it was. Uh, so there was under review, and I think that was a good one. By the way, fans, if, if you want to, if you got something on your mind, you want to get off your chest, or you, you're confused on something, you don't understand a rule or a call or maybe even a scheduling quirk or whatever it is, you have something on your mind, you want to get off your chest, find us. You can get at me at PXP for Sports. Evan is at Shem Lax. The show is at Lax Class. Tweet at us. Slide into the DMs. Let us know uh, you got something on your mind that you want answered, and we'll do our best to, to deliver that to you at least once a week. Uh, light week six here, Evan. Just two games. If you'll recall, I'm in the lead. By one game here, 13 and 7 I am. Two games to go here for week six. Take it away. Oh, actually, well, no. Don't games. take it away yet because I need to tell you that Who You Got's brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, your complete source for Wrangler Jeans. Evan, the deal is still on. Sign up now. Save yourself $10 when you buy yourself a pair of men's or ladies' Wrangler jeans or pants. Stampede.ca, shopping online, still shopping local. Thanks to our friends at Stampede Tack. 
for sponsoring Who You Got. Now, Evan, who you got? Jake, who you got? 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 Take it away, Evan. All right, so just the two games. So first off, a battle of the newbies in the East. You got Philadelphia headed up on the train up to New York. Who you got? I think they're going to take the train. They're going to take the train. They might take the train. It's faster to take the train from Philadelphia to to Long Island Station than it is to fly to JFK. Hmm. Yeah, well, that makes sense then. Take the train. Listen, I am going to implore the strategy here. Show me. And I did this with Philadelphia last year. I wouldn't pick them until they got me a win, until they got a win, proved to me that they could win. And now that's the strategy I'm going to take here with the New York Riptide. Show me you can put a win in the win column before I'm picking you. So give me the Philadelphia Wings to beat the Riptide. Give me the Wings, too. Um, The simple fact here is New York got beat up twice this past weekend. This might be their best chance to have a close game, but I think that's the best I can hope for in this one is a close game. So definitely going to take the Wings. And same night, we talked about this game just uh, at the start of this segment. Vancouver, in need of a division win, headed to Red Hawk, Colorado. What do you got? I can't pick against the Mammoth here after what they've done their last two games, beating Calgary, then beating Georgia. I think Vancouver, if they're going to beat Colorado, it's going to come on their home floor. I don't see it happening down in Denver. I think the Mammoth win this one. It's going to be a tight one, Evan, but I think the Mammoth win it inside the Loud House. Give me Colorado. I think every game is going to be a tight game with the Mammoth just because you expect them to score eight, nine, ten goals and try and win the game, right? But I'm still taking the Mammoth. It might make for boring that we're taking all the same picks. I got plenty of season to catch you still, but um, – they're playing too well at this stage to pick against them. Yeah, you just you just like hosting who you got, I think, is what's happening here, Evan. Okay, so just two games. We're both taking Philly to beat New York. We're both taking Colorado to beat Vancouver, which leads us to just news and notes left here on Episode 16. I don't have much. I mentioned Holden Garland scoring his first goal, Lloyd for Vancouver getting his, Graydon Bradley getting one for the Seals as well, and I think I touched on this briefly last week as well, Evan. But there's not many things I enjoy more than watching a rookie, whether it's a young rookie or a guy that's just broken into the league, get their first National Lacrosse League goal and just see the pure jubilation on their face and their teammates how happy they are for them as well i love watching guys score their first goal in the league yeah like i said last week you don't know if you're ever going to make the nll right it's it's your lifelong goal but that's kind of your your i'm here moment when you finally get that first goal so you've been working towards that moment for 20 years yeah you know? <laughs> It's well, a pretty big deal. Speaking of I'm here moments, uh, Hayden Dixon for the Calgary Roughnecks in San Diego. Man, did he ever arrive on the scene? Puts up a hat trick in his first NLL game. Two of them were absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the Flatlander there from Delta and in the Chancellor's neck of the woods, Hayden Dixon with a hat trick for the Roughnecks over the Seals in that Friday game. Uh, a couple of guys that scored their first goal in the league a long time ago. Curtis Dixon hitting the 400-goal plateau for the Roughnecks. 
And you mentioned Callum Crawford, that 14-point. He, <laughs> he started the night 14 points back of 1,000, and he hits the mark with a 14-point night. Yep. Callum Crawford, 1,000 points in the National Lacrosse League. Curtis Dixon with 400 goals. These are two guys that have been playing at an elite level for a long time and two big-time players hitting two big-time milestones. Safe to say Callum Crawford makes the top 10 of the all-time points pretty soon. Um, but, you know, like I said, Mark Stainhouse had 17. That's the record, and it was close he to being chance. broken. He so, had a chance. And then at the end, like, yeah. I text him. I was like, good, good God, Callum, like, easy yeah and he's and his reply is like i didn't i don't even think i played that well (laughs) yeah 14 points but you think if you think that he wants that mvp back that he could have had last year he's on a mission he's he's the front runner right now yeah he's on a mission and and he warned us about those uh shoes that he was going to wear at home as well evan did you check those things out my goodness no, that even. Ah, oh, they were like bright neon yellow and uh, easy to pick out Showtime out on the floor. So, congratulations to to Curtis and to Callum on their uh, milestones. Uh, even uh, my man Greggy Harnett, there, the Jim Jimmy, let us know he hit 200 penalty minutes, which he was quite proud of as well. <laughs> I'm not surprised. No, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, that was a jam-packed episode of Lacrosse Classified, right there. Everybody, uh, 2019 is about to come to a close. Here, 2020 is on the horizon, uh, just hours away now, and I can't believe uh, a decade has kind of come and gone here, Evan. And I, and it's funny, like I, I think back to. I was doing back in 2010 to what I'm doing now and kind of where I was in life to where I am now and all the different things I had done in that 10 year span. It, it's, it just, it boggles my mind on how much life can change in 10 years. I think back to it, it was like, okay, what was I doing back when the last decade came across? I was starting my own business, which I still have to this day. And, uh, which, Keep in mind, about 80% of businesses failed in the first two years, so i got to be proud of that. And uh, World Junior Hockey Championships were in Saskatoon at that exact time, and I was awaiting Vasily's birth. Yeah. He was he was about two months along at that point. So, you know, it's Yeah, I it's just, I had, just had my daughter. Of course, uh, the Olympics were here in Vancouver as well in 2010, and um, I hadn't even joined – the, uh, the swarm at that point. And it was funny when I was texting with Kevin and I DM'd him on Twitter and I look at the last message I had sent him on Twitter and his DMs and it was about getting his phone number for John Arlotta to talk to him about the upcoming entry draft. <laughs> That's how long ago um, that was. Uh, as we all know, Kevin went number one in, in Minnesota, I think had the second pick that year. But uh, just kind of just kind of boggles my mind on how much life can change in in ten years, and um, it's been it's been a fun ride, and and I can't wait for twenty twenty and the and the ride to continue with with you and and Lacrosse Classified here, man. It's gonna be fun. Well, it's gonna be a blast, and you know it's not just a another year, but it's another decade, and you know I'm thinking it's like man, by the time this decade's up, I'm gonna have an empty household, so. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and maybe the that and the most exciting part of it all is just to, to maybe just see where the National Lacrosse League goes in the next ten years under Nick Sakevich and, and his leadership. I, 
I just think the sky is the limit for this league and, and – the direction that he's got it going in right now, I, I just I cannot wait for the next 10 years to see where we're at uh, by the time 2030 rolls around. Well, and maybe by that time I'm down and living in Vegas full-time watching another home team, right? Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe I'll be down there with you, Evan. Who knows? Uh, okay, that's it for episode number 60. Thanks to uh, Brad Cree for coming by and to Kevin Crowley. For stopping by the show as well. To our sponsors, of course, Associated Labels and Packaging, Pure Vital Labs, Stampede Tack and Western Wear, the Vancouver Warriors, and G. Wilson Construction. To you, the loyal listener, for listening to Lacrosse Classified all year long. We're going to be coming back at you in 2020 every single Tuesday right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. For Evan Scheminar, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, Happy New Year, and enjoy the games, everybody. <laughs>